evening. We're going to sing a song tonight I think everybody's familiar with. The only difference is we're going to sing it the way it's written, probably not the way you learned it. So you'll, you'll hear it in a minute and you'll know why I make that comment. It's Pat. Lord, I'm coming home. Far away from God, now I'm coming home. The paths of sin too long I've tried. Lord, I'm coming home, coming home, coming home. Never. Uh, hopefully you've had the opportunity to uh, get your prayer list uh, downloaded there. Um, and you may want to adjust me, Ben, <laughs> uh, since I have that on instead of this. Um, hopefully you've got that downloaded. Uh, hopefully you're making any comments, if you have any, uh, to give us there on our prayer list, on our, on our Facebook uh, for our prayer list. Let me just share with you a few uh, that I uh, know some updates uh, of, and you may have some other uh, updates for us also. We didn't have our regular Wednesday night service last week, so we didn't really have a time of, of giving any updates. So hopefully we have some updates from you uh, tonight also on any of these or any new prayer requests uh, that we have. Our friends and family side is filling up uh, pretty big, so hopefully you can give us some good word on some of uh, those individuals that we may be able to remove uh, from the prayer list. Uh, Miss Pat, do you have an update on Donna? Okay. Okay. So I was asking about Donna Agcock. She had her surgery on Monday uh, with her mastectomy there, and so we just praise the Lord. She's uh, just just a little sore there, but things went well uh, with that, and so keep her uh, in your prayers. Miss Janet Carter, uh, we didn't send a call out. Uh, Miss Janet's a little bit more private with some of that, and so, but we do want to encourage you to pray. Uh, for her. She had to go back into the hospital. She had uh, passed out the other day, and so uh, they were still trying to figure out what was going on. Um, 
I have not heard a word yet from them about what they've uh, figured out yet, uh, but just keep her uh, in your prayers uh, also. Uh, she seemed to be in good spirits, seemed to be uh, talking well and everything, but they just didn't know why she had that episode of, of that happening. Uh, Sandra Wells did well with her surgery with her kidney stone. They said there was just a little tiny piece left that they thought she would be able to pass uh, naturally. So uh, we praise the Lord for her surgery and that Leanne's went well, that she was able to go with her uh, to her surgery and to be there with her to help uh, in communicating with the doctors and nurses there too, to help with that with Sandra and, and being a caregiver there. Um, and then Miss Betsy's doing well in recovering from, from hers. Uh, I don't I just mentioned Brother Jack, his surgery is still postponed and stuff. So, but do keep him in your prayers. Um, Miss Diane has had a few issues here uh, and there. A couple of Sundays ago, uh, she had some issues with her sugar uh, and wasn't able to be here with us in the, in the Sunday morning service, Miss Diane Tatum. Uh, so, do keep her in your prayers as she kind of goes back and forth with some of those things. And then Carolyn Stone is back home and she's. Uh, doing uh, better also. Um, as you go down to the nursing home, assisted living list there, Miss um, Susie Barton, of course, we've mentioned is at Morning Point. Uh, she's acclimating there, uh, as I've talked with Eddie, uh, each day a little bit better. Uh, Miss Birdie is doing very well, from what I understand, uh, over at uh, Brookdale, and you saw her today, Miss Pat did, and she's doing good, so uh, she's getting a lot of good activities that are going on there, and yeah, bingo and everything, so she's excited about those things, and, and it gets to go out a little bit uh, also, so that's been good for her. Um, and then, so that's the updates that I have on the family and the nursing home list, and then let me just give you a few other updates uh, real quickly on the friends and family side. Uh, Tammy Sparkman, who is the granddaughter of Leona Ross, uh, who has bone cancer, uh, she was improving and then went backwards some, uh, and so just continue to keep her in your prayers uh, as she continues uh, through this whole uh, episode that she's going through. She, on top of the bone cancer, had some internal infection that they didn't know where it was coming from. The family thought it was in her uh, leg where she had had a shot, and uh, they didn't seem to think that's where it was, but when they exhausted all their other places they looked at, that's where they found out that it was. And so they were kind of behind the eight ball there. They're kind of hoping that they would not have to amputate uh, anything. Uh, they did find some good tissue that was still there, but then they also saw when they did the, the what do they call it, Smith, or the, the, when they clean it out, debris uh, of the wound there, they did find some uh, more infection there. So hopefully they're able to get that cleared out, but do keep her... Uh, in your prayers. And then we, I want to add two from Miss Donna Jackson. Uh, one is her sister, Julie Gunter. Uh, she's going to be having back surgery this Friday, so we want to remember her in prayers. And then her daughter, right, Donna uh, Gunter, her, which is basically her caregiver, uh, she does everything and help and take care of her, take her mom there. And so just remember Donna in your prayers also. So I want to add those two, Julie Gunter and Donna Gunter. Okay, so Mike's dad is doing well, had his pacemaker surgery and uh, recovered well from that, so we praise the Lord. Any others that you want to give us an update on? Okay, and that's for Michelle Olson. Uh, she had a test today and waiting on the results uh, from that. So we want to remember Michelle in your prayers. Any others? Any other additions? Oh, I will mention this. I did, just saw one here that I need to update you on. Uh, this is one that Miss Imogene had given us, John Sr. and Frida Anderson. John passed away, uh, so we want to remember that family uh, in your prayers uh, and can just continue to remember Miss Frida uh, also. Uh, that is um, her doctor's dad. I did also, if you look at the Motlow BCM, uh, talked with uh, Nathan Dorrell 
uh, day before yesterday, uh, or maybe it was yesterday, yeah, it was yesterday when we had our, our lunch meeting at the association with the new director of missions. Want to pray for him. Uh, his name is Matthew Ledbetter, uh, so want to pray for him. He, he and his wife will be moving the latter part of this month, and will be, he'll be on site and hitting the ground running. Uh, they're around May 23rd, 24th, somewhere in that time frame. So want to keep him in prayer. But uh, Nathan Dorrell said that they are progressing well with the work there at the BCM and getting that all repaired. They hope uh, to be able to have everything completely finished uh, by the start of school in August, and they hope to have an open house and invite all of our churches to come uh, for that. So we'll keep you updated uh, on that. But we just praise the Lord that things are working out uh, better there. And another update I'll give you as I look up the list there a little bit. Father Kenny Busher, Busher uh, who is our neighbor, uh, he had a surgery similar to Andrew uh, Newton where he had the implant things placed in the scalp uh, to help him with Parkinson's uh, that he has. And it is doing extremely well. He's extremely pleased uh, with things. He's not shaken like he was before and everything. Uh, and they've been able to reduce or in the process of reducing more of his medications. They'll still take time as they continue to fine-tune things just like they had to do with Andrew, uh, but things are going excellent, he said, uh, with his progress there, and so we just praise the Lord for that. Uh, and then right above him is Rhonda Morris, uh, who uh, is cancer-free, but she is still, uh, she is having some issues and having a lot of pain. Uh, she had a really... Uh, struggling time this past weekend uh, and is going to be going back to the doctor uh, soon for some more procedures um, and so just keep her in your prayers for the pain that she's uh, going through uh, with all of this so. and then also you'll see on the screen the uh, uniting for ukraine if you'll be praying for that we're going to be having our question and answer time uh, Sunday night, and so we just want to encourage you to keep praying about our involvement in this uh, awesome ministry that God has given us in this opportunity here. Uh, there's going to be that question and answer times. So come with your questions. Give us your questions beforehand if you can. Uh, that way we can be better prepared to answer those questions, but we want to share as much as we can uh, with you of where we are in that process and, and then bring that to a vote soon uh, as they'll be announcing that on Sunday night about when that'll actually be. So that's going to be this Sunday night at 6 o'clock. And so I want to encourage you to be here uh, for that. Because when we actually do the vote, uh, it'll just be a vote. There won't be discussion at that point because we've already had our discussion before in the business meeting that we had um, back in March. And this is just an extra time for some question and answer. So be praying, praying for this uh, ministry of Uniting for Ukraine. All right, I don't see any others on Facebook. I don't see any others in here. Oh, I do see one. There's one that just got uh, updated here on Facebook. Uh, Ella Thames is, Thames is asking us to pray for, which she is on our prayer list, but she's giving us an update here on Katie Pugh, uh, who's dealing with some uh, shortness of breath. Um, and so want to remember, continue to remember her. And then also, and I'm not sure if we ever got Matthew on our prayer list, but we mention him every week in our, our uh, choir time. But Matthew Ratcliffe also want to remember him in prayer uh, he was in a, an accident, uh, it's maybe been almost a year ago now, uh, but he, um, he's had a seizure this week and had a little bit of a setback, and so Ella was asking us if we would uh, to be in prayer for Matthew Ratcliffe. Uh, and the other one is Katie Pugh, who has lymphoma, who's about midways on the friends and family list there. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer then, and we'll get into our Bible study. For tonight heavenly father we just want to thank you for who you are and for just you being the awesome god that you are lord you are a holy and a righteous god uh, you are you love us you provide for us you protect us uh, you are there when we need you every moment of the day you are leading us and you are guiding us and you're watching over us and lord we just give you the glory and the honor for all that you are doing all that you have done for us, especially in the free gift of salvation that you've given to us through Jesus' precious sacrifice upon the cross for our sins and his resurrection from the grave to give us eternal life. 
Father, we pray and as we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in the days ahead, uh, for the opportunities you've laid before us, for the, the, the privilege we have to serve you uh, in and through this church that you brought us to and this, this community. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would hear our prayers tonight. We don't want anything to hinder our prayers. Uh, we know that your word says that if we regard or hold on to sin uh, in our lives, that you will not hear from heaven on high. And so, Father, I pray tonight that if there is any sin, any sinful thoughts, any sinful actions, any sinful deeds, or, or maybe things, Lord, that you've told us to do, commanded us to do, and we've been unfaithful to do, we know that that is sin too. And so, Father, we pray that whatever might be sin in our lives, may you bring it out into the light of the truth of your word in our hearts and our lives, that we might confess those things before you, acknowledge our sinfulness, repent of our sin, turn away from it, and turn to follow you. Father, we ask for the cleansing of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we ask you, Lord, to hear our prayers, as mo a lot of our prayers are interceding on the behalf of many others, Lord, who are going through difficult physical situations, others who have a lot of spiritual struggles and turmoil in their life, others who have family problems, financial problems. Uh, Lord, whatever the issues may be for each one of these who are on our prayer list, and there may be multiple needs with each individual, we know that none of those things and all of those things are not too big for you to handle. And so, Father, we just want to uplift them into your hands. We ask, Lord, that you would divinely reach down and intercede in each one of these people's lives to, to touch them, to bring the physical healing, to bring about meeting the physical needs that they have, uh, as well as all of the other needs. Lord, we know that you have told us that your grace is sufficient for all of our needs. So we ask for your showering of your grace upon them. Lord, filling them with your mercy. May their cup run over with your loving kindness towards them. Father, may they sense and feel your power and your presence and your peace in their hearts and their lives as you do a mighty miracle in their hearts and in their lives. Father, we just uplift them to you and ask, Lord, that you will use the situations that they're going through to even bring glory and honor to your name as you seek to bring healing physically. May you also use it to bring healing spiritually in, in their caregivers' lives and the people around them, that as those who are believers can remain faithful and steadfast, even through adversity, may you use that as a testimony and a witness to those who are lost. Lord, for those who, uh, are, are, who are lost that we're praying for, I pray, God, that you will help them to see that there's no other place for them to turn but to you. Uh, for the needs that they have. And so, Father, I pray that uh, you will just stir in their hearts to do that even tonight, wherever they might be, in a hospital, in a nursing home, at home, uh, or wherever they may be. Father, we just uplift them to you and ask for you to just touch their hearts and their lives and their families in a special way. Lord, just continue to be with those who have lost loved ones. We pray, God, for you to just embrace them in your love and your, your peace and your comfort uh, of the Holy Spirit. Father, make your spirit known to them uh, that you are there with them. And Lord, may you walk with them through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, we pray for our Awana kids who are not here with us throughout the summer months. Uh, Father, is even for those workers, uh, we pray, Lord, that they would uh, still not be slack in, in, in <clears throat> focusing on their relationship with you and, and continuing to, to memorize your scripture and learn your word to continue to grow in their, their hearts with you as there will be many activities that will still be going on uh, to help facilitate that with Vacation Bible School, Children's Camp, Youth Camp, and, and all the such activities that we'll be doing even throughout the summer months. Lord, I pray that you will use all those things to keep them connected uh, to you and to keep them growing in their walk with you. And Lord, just be, let us be a time of refreshing also for those workers to refresh them and revive them for a new season uh, of service uh, as we begin the school year again next year. Uh, Father, we pray for uh, those who are meeting in the building with our youth and, and Pastor Matt and those who are there with him. Lord, we just pray that you'll be with them. And, and Lord, as he's teaching them the truth of your word, may they hunger, Lord, for uh, a deeper relationship with you. May they uh, hunger for your word as, as he breaks the word uh, of life before them. And Father, I pray that that they will, it'll begin to click with them. Things will begin to come on in the light bulb in their heart and their mind. 
Uh, Lord, that those who don't know you will trust you as Savior. And those who do, Lord, will, will see those opportunities and see those uh, discipleship moments in their lives as they grow uh, in their walk with you. And Father, we pray tonight for those of us who are gathered here, those who are gathered online. Lord, we ask your blessings upon each one. We ask, Lord, your blessings upon us as we study your word, as we move to a new book uh, in the Minor Prophets. Lord, I pray that you will just open your word, make it alive and powerful, relevant to our lives and where we are today. And Father, I pray that it will be a message that we will share with others uh, as we learn, as we grow, Lord, that we will uh, see the urgency with which we need to be sharing the gospel with other people around us uh, before it's too late and also because you've commanded us to, uh, lest we uh, incur your wrath at the judgment because of that. And so, Father, I pray uh, for your will to be done tonight as we look at the book of Jonah. Lord, I pray that uh, as we go through this wonderful, wonderful little book, Lord, that it will be uh, life-changing for us and life-changing for those uh, who are without Christ, that they would see the call of the gospel here in the book of Jonah. So use this word tonight to be a blessing to us in a powerful way. And we just ask your blessings on your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, take your Bibles, as we said, and turn to the book of Jonah. As we said, there are 12 uh, of these minor prophet books. Uh, we've repeated this over and over, uh, why they're minor prophets, but sometimes people join us uh, right in the middle of a study. And so just to remind you, they're not minor because they're lesser, their message is any lesser than what we call the major prophets. The major prophets would be books like Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Lamentations. The minor prophets uh, are the books that we've been uh, looking at, at Hosea, at Joel, at Amos, at Obadiah that we just finished up with. Now we're coming to the book of Jonah. There's 12 of these minor prophets. They're only minor because they're shorter. Uh, their messages are shorter than Isaiah's or Ezekiel's. And yet they're just as powerful a message, uh, I would say equally powerful uh, as those messages that Isaiah had to share or Jeremiah had to share. And so in this passage tonight, uh, we're going to meet the Old Testament prophet Jonah who ultimately discovers uh, that a fearful assignment from God is not as fearful as God himself. And so we're going to learn that when a believer chooses deliberately to disobey God, you ought to prepare for God to track you down and discipline you for your disobedience. That's just the, the state of what we see here, and, and we're going to see the principle we need to learn from that in just a moment. The book of Jonah is one of the most incredible books in the Bible. It's filled with mystery, it's filled with intrigue, and yet it's a book that has been, taken a great deal of abuse. Uh, this may be the most, single most ridiculed book in the entire Bible. Uh, there have been scholars even of the highest degree who have made fun of the story of Jonah. They put the story of Jonah and the big fish on the same level as, as Goldilocks and the three bears. Why? One, because they don't believe the Bible as a whole. Uh, perhaps no other book in the Bible has suffered at the hands of these critics like Jonah. And why has that happened? Because the events in this book uh, that are recorded are, are unfamiliar to us. Uh, th there have not been any recent reports of a man being swallowed by a great fish and, and, and living to tell about it. Uh, but how about those who lived closer to Jonah's day? Did they believe Jonah was an actual historical figure and that his story uh, as portrayed in the Old Testament was accurate? Well, uh, and, and would, they, would we grant, them, grant more credibility to them than to modern skeptics? The answer is yes on both accounts. In 2 Kings chapter 14 and verse 25, you read this. He restored the border of Israel from Lebahamath as far as the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath-Hefer. Now, Gath, if you'll remember, was one of the Philistine cities at one point uh, before the Israelites overtook the whole uh, of that area. And so that's why that may be familiar to you, Gath, Hefer. But notice in John, Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son 
of Amittai, saying, and we're just going to continue reading verse 2 and verse 3 also, and then we'll come back to them in a moment. He says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. When you read there in verse 1, it tells us that it is Jonah, the son of Amittai, who the word of the Lord was spoken to. That sounds like the same person mentioned in 2 Kings 14, verse 25, uh, who was there in the days of Jeroboam. And as creditworthy as that reference might be, far more reputable support is found that Jonah was a historical person uh, in the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew. In Luke's Gospel, in Luke chapter 11 and verse 29 down through verse 32, it says, when the crowds were increasing, he began to say, being Jesus, this generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. And so that's talking about Egypt uh, down there where the queen of the south came from, and then in Ethiopia. Uh, and then verse 32 says, the men of Nineveh goes back to Jonah's reference. It says the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment along with those from the queen of the south uh, with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And so Jesus himself validated the life and the ministry of Jonah the prophet in the context of Jonah's ministry to the Ninevites. That's pretty good references. But a, a, a pretty good reference, even though it's still only to Jonah as a historical figure. If there's any story in the Bible that shows uh, that truth sometimes really is stranger than fiction... This story fits into that category. So what about the really hard-to-fathom part here about this great fish that swallows Jonah? Uh, when, this, when a man catches a fish, that's not really uh, a big news and unless it's one of those that, that breaks a record. Uh, but when a fish catches a man, everybody's talking about that. Uh, even though it sounds hard to believe, we believe it. Uh, because it's in the Bible, and I believe the Bible. And so if the inerrancy of Scripture means anything, it means that what is written is true. Now, there's really two primary reasons to believe uh, this truth from the book of Jonah, uh, and both of them relate to Jesus Christ. We've already seen a little bit there that the first reason to believe the story of Jonah is because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, think about it. If you have no trouble believing that Jesus was bodily raised from the dead three days after he died, why would you have trouble believing that a man could survive in the belly of a fish for three days and be spit up on dry land? The other reason we believe the story is because Jesus himself believed it. Look at the other reference in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 39 through verse 40. Jesus' words here include the reference to Jonah being in the belly. Of the great fish uh, so he's not just talking about Jonah was a man who was a prophet and never talks about him being in the fish and he talks about it here in verse 39 but he answered them and even an adulterous generation seeks for a sign but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth now we, we could go off on another story on that the three days and the three nights uh, idiom there the the word phrasing there uh, and what that means sometimes we want to uh, lock it into a 72-hour period there uh, for the three days three nights it's just a phrase uh, that covers the, that time period there that's a whole different message <laughs> that we could go into on that but Jesus himself bases his own teaching about his coming three-day burial on Jonah's burial of sorts in the depths of the sea in the belly of the fish. And it seems that if Jesus 
relied on the historical accuracy and the integrity of the scriptural account of Jonah, then we can be confident doing the same ourselves. So one of the reasons people get hung up on Jonah is because they really, really don't understand what this book is all about to start with. I mean, what's all this Jonah getting swallowed up by fish and being spit up on the shore? What has that got to do with us as believers? Well, understand that this book is primarily not about Jonah. It tells his story, but it's not really about Jonah. It's not about the fish, even. The fish is only mentioned four times in the book of Jonah. And Jonah is only mentioned 18 times. But in the book of Jonah, which is really about God, God is mentioned 38 times in the book of Jonah. And more specifically, the book is about God's will and us. And the reason why Jonah is in the Bible is because he was on the run from God and on the run from God's will. Jonah wasn't on the run because of something that he did. He wasn't on the run because of something that he didn't do. He was on the run for something he wouldn't do. There are thousands upon thousands of people who are on the run spiritually, emotionally, financially, and many other ways. They're on the run from God. We always run for the same reasons because there are basically two reasons why we run from God. Either we're afraid or we're arrogant. Either we're afraid of God's will or we're so arrogant that we think we know better what we ought to be doing than God does. So let me go ahead and give you the punchline of this story. You can try to run from God, but you can never get away from God. In fact, you can go all the way back to the beginning in the book of Genesis and learn that Adam and Eve learned that lesson in the garden, the hard way. Jonah is about to learn that lesson the hard way on a ship. And we're going to learn in the book of Jonah that if you're thinking about running or you're already running from God, learn this truth. And here's the truth you want to get from this if you don't get anything else. Obedience always brings blessing. Obedience always brings blessing. But on the flip side of that, disobedience always brings burdens. Disobedience always brings burdens. So this is a true story with a myriad of lessons about God's interaction with us. His guidance, his patience, his second chances, uh, his love for sinners, his correction uh, of believers. And Jonah, perhaps like us, needed to learn all of those lessons. So as we look at these first four verses of chapter 1 tonight, what is it that causes us to run from God? What can we learn that causes us to go east when God says to go west? What can we learn about Jonah to help us not to make the same mistakes that he did? Because if you don't learn from history, you're, you're doomed to repeat it. And so notice Jonah disobeys God's direction. That's our first point from this passage tonight. Jonah disobeys God's directions. God spoke clear directions to Jonah. Uh, he said to him, go preach against Nineveh. Go back to verse 1 and verse 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So the story starts out simple enough. God's word comes to Jonah. God's word simply represents God's will. Here's what I want you to do. And because God's, wor God's word is God's will, and, and that's what the Bible is all about itself. So from the first chapter of Genesis to the last chapter of the book of Revelation, God is telling us what his will is for us. Now you'll notice that God's word comes in the form of a command. Because God is, God's will is always both a command and a demand. 
Now, I want you to try something. Go throughout the Bible and see if you can ever find God asking anybody to do anything. Now, notice what word I said, asking. God never says, hey, Jimmy, would you, do you want to go do this? He didn't say, Lord, do you want to go do this? Do you want to do this for me? No, he says, you go and do this. It's always a command, always a demand that he says. He, he never does ask anybody. He never makes a request. He never offers a suggestion. Every time God speaks, he is always commanding and he is always demanding. Now, if you remember your English grammar, so we get to go back to our English lessons uh, that we used to have uh, to help us in interpreting the Scripture. Uh, we've talked about that before when we looked at the Old Testament with various things and, and a special message that we even did on that. You can go back on YouTube and even find that. Uh, but in, in, if you remember in your English grammar, early on in school, we learned that verbs have three moods. The mood is simply the way in which a verb expresses uh, an action or a state of being. So we learned that there are three moods in English. There's the indicative mood, there's the subjunctive mood, and there's the imperative mood. And what does all that mean? Well, let me tell you. The indicative mood either makes a statement or asks a question. For instance, John gave me a birthday present. That's an indicative statement in the indicative mood. The subjunctive mood is used to express a wish or a doubt or a condition which is contrary to fact. It usually is expressed with the word if. If I were you, I would always give me a birthday gift. That's, sub that's subjunctive. The imperative mood uh, here is used to express a command or a demand. It's found only in the present tense second person. Here's an example of what that would sound like in a statement. You will remember my birthday and give me a gift. So that's imperative. That's the imperative mood. Understand, God is neither in a good mood or a bad mood. He's just always in the imperative mood. God's word is God's will, and God's will is both a command and a demand. God doesn't give us options. He doesn't say, okay... What do you want behind this door, or do you want this one behind this door? Choose. He doesn't give us options. For example, God doesn't say, or God says in his word, God does say this in his word. He says, do not marry unbelievers. He doesn't say, but if you're going to marry one, at least marry a nice one. Or if you're going to marry one, at least marry one that will go to church with you occasionally. No, he says, don't be unequally yoked to an unbeliever. Uh, don't be marrying an unbeliever. And so the truth is that we all live under God's word. God has a will for every one of us, a particular will for one person and, and a different person because he has a plan for you and your life and what he wants to do through you and your giftedness that you have that he may not have for me. He has a different plan, a different will for me specifically. In general, he has his general will that's given in his word that we never go outside of, and his particular will never goes outside of that either. So God has a will for every one of us. One of the reasons why we sometimes refuse or resist his will for us is because, frankly, it's not always easy to do his will. It's not always easy to do what his word says for us to do. So notice what happened here. Look what God told Jonah to do in verse 2 again. He says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So God calls Jonah to go to a missionary to an Assyrian city that has about a population of about 600,000 people at that time, which in that day was a huge metropolitan city. It was a wicked city. It was heavily fortified. It was powerful, and it was the, to be the object of the preaching of one, of, uh, of one Jewish prophet, Jonah. No wonder Jonah wasn't excited about the prospect of this new ministry God had called him to go do. God wanted him to go and to tell them that if they don't repent in 40 days, 
he is going to judge them. Now, we'll get to that uh, a little bit later here uh, in, the, in the message that he comes to bring, but that's essentially the message, is that if they don't repent in 40 days, God is going to judge them. That's the message God gave him. Jonah was astounded. And Jonah essentially is saying, God, you want me to go to Nineveh and tell them that they've got 40 days to get their act together or you're going to destroy them? God, I won't last five minutes with them. I won't get through the gate. What Jonah didn't understand is that whenever God calls us or commands us to do something, he always enables us to do what he's called us to do. So you may feel like you're inadequate for the task that he's calling you to do. You may be scared to death to talk to your neighbor, to talk to your coworker about the gospel and to share with them about Jesus Christ. But understand this, if God has called you and we know through his word he's commanded us to do that very thing, to share the gospel with people around us, with the whole nations and the world, he will enable us to do what he's commanded us to do. And so that's one of the things Jonah didn't understand. Jonah had clearly, had, had clearly heard what God said, but he did what a lot of believers have done and continue to do today is that he failed to believe. Romans chapter 14, verse 23 says, And whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Now what is faith there? Faith is trusting in God. It's trusting in God. So whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. It's important for us to learn from Jonah's life that disobeying God is sin, and it only leads to trouble. And while we discover that Jonah ultimately obeyed God, we need to learn that it's wisest to obey him now, immediately, rather than later. Rather than have to go through all the suffering and the difficulty, just obey him now, and you won't have to go through all that. You won't have to go through the storm that Jonah has to go through. And so God says to Jonah, I want you to go east to Nineveh. What did Jonah do? He goes in the exact opposite direction. You know, there are times that God asks us to do things that we don't want to do. And in this case, God was telling Jonah to go to this rebellious pagan nation and to preach to them that if they would repent, they would receive the mercy of God. Jonah didn't want to do it. Just like many times many of us don't want to tell our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends that they need a relationship with Jesus Christ. In different and various ways, we ourselves run from God and we stay silent. Nevertheless, at this point, there's no harm, no foul yet at this point in Jonah's story. Let's see why going in the opposite direction from what God commands, though, is a sure road to heartache. Notice the second thing. Jonah was deliberate in his disobedience. So this wasn't just a mistake. This wasn't just, oh, I didn't realize what you were saying, Lord. He was deliberate in his disobedience. So to begin with, we can say at least one good thing about Jonah. He was deliberate. Every day of our lives, our number one responsibility is that we will always have in our relationship with God is this, is that we will decide to do his will or not. God demands, but God does not force us to obey his demands. Frankly, we would all be better off if we did. But God loves us so much that he gave us the freedom to make our own choices and to make our own decisions. And so when you decide yes, then you and God are on good terms. Even though you may face difficulties from the outside, just because you say yes doesn't mean it's all going to be easy. You, but, but even though you're going to face those difficulties on the outside, you'll have a peace on the inside. The trouble starts when we decide to say no. But notice the next three words say it all in verse 3. Jonah rose to flee. Wow. Jonah was determined not just to run from God, but to get as far away from God as he could. It's one thing to resist God's will, but it's another thing to refuse it. So not only does he just refuse God's will, notice what it says at the end of verse 3. 
or actually at the beginning of verse 3, and it repeats it again at the end. But he says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Again, he repeats it at the end and says to go away with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Jonah was determined to run not just from from God, but to get as far away from God as he could. So think about this. Nineveh was 500 miles northeast of where Jonah was. And Tarshish is 2,500 miles southwest of Jonah. It'd be like telling somebody to go to New York and instead they go to Los Angeles or they go to China. But Jonah had made his decision just like we do every day. This is important. There are only two cities mentioned in the book of Jonah. There's Nineveh and there's Tarshish. Nineveh represents God's will and Tarshish represents your will. So Nineveh represents what God wants you to do and Tarshish represents what you want to do. Every day of your life, you visit one of those two cities in your decisions that you make. Let me warn you of something. Every time you choose Tarshish over Nineveh, every time you choose not doing God's will over doing God's will, it's going to cost you. Notice for Jonah, he went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare. So it cost him some money to go. Then notice that it says, some versions say it this way, not only that he paid the fare, but after he paid the fare, Jonah thought that he had solved all of his problems just by buying a ticket on a boat. It was just the beginning, though, of what he was about to learn, what we too often have to learn the hard way, and that is that the most expensive thing you'll buy is a ticket to get away from God. If you're thinking about running from God and if you're thinking about going south when God says go north, you're, you're going to be amazed at how fast you'll find a ship, how fast you're going to find a boat, how often you're going to find a way to escape. You know why? Because the devil will open doors when you want to say no, just like God opens doors when you should say yes. And so as you're going to see for a while here, you may think that you're actually getting away with it, as Jonah did. You may even really believe you become the first person in history to successfully run away from God. I mean, what did Jonah think? He was the first one that was going to make it? Jonah teaches us that when you're in the valley of decision, you'll walk right into the pit of disaster if you decide to say no. No to God instead of yes to God. So when you make a wrong decision and you take the wrong path, you will hit the dead end of disaster every time. Just remember the prodigal son. Think about the prodigal son in the New Testament. He thought when he walked out of that house with all of that money that was stuffed in his pockets, he thought when he walked out of that house uh, that he was heading to live life in the fast lane and life was going to be one big party. But when he walked out of the party, he walked right into the pig pen. Of all places, in a pig pen. Stinky, smelly. You ever been to a pig pen? It's nasty. Yet we love that bacon, don't we? And we love them pork chops. And they're wallowing around in the mud. <laughs> Here's this prodigal son who goes and he leaves the party and right into the pig pen. Understand this, the devil will provide the ship but as you're going to see now, God provides the storm. So understand that when God said go east, Jonah didn't just partially disobey. He goes due west as opposite to God's direction as he could get. He went down to Joppa on a westerly course and he took a ship that went west rather than east. So not only was he going west, he was going to the extremities of west, of the known west in those days. 
Tarshish was a, 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 a melting pot city of, of Phoenicians. Some people believe it was maybe in Spain. Others say Tarshish was on the, the western coast of Africa. But regardless of where it is, in Jonah's estimation, it was as far as he could go to get away from the place that God had told him to go. So Jonah, he didn't just stay where he was and not go to Nineveh. And he could have done that. That would have been disobedience. So he doesn't just stay where he was and not go to Nineveh. Nor did he just stay in Joppa. He did, he did the exact opposite of what God told him to do. He started from where he was and he runs as fast as he can to get away from God. In fact, the end of the verse says he went from the presence of the Lord. He got as far away from God as he could. How do you run away, though, from God? The psalmist says this in Psalm 139 and verse 8. If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol or hell, you're there. You cannot ever run from God. He's everywhere. But in, in his own localized view of the world, Jonah thought, if God wants me in Nineveh, the best place for me is in Tarshish. I'm out of here. So he went. It was a very deliberate act. Sometimes we disobey God out of ignorance. We don't set out the sin deliberately, but either out of ignorance or maybe uh, immaturity or, or our weakness, we fail to obey God. While that's still sin, it's almost like in a different category uh, from deliberate and willful disobedience, which is what Jonah was doing. Jonah, the prophet of God, he should have known better than to disobey God's clear direction. If he had just fled to Joppa out of fear or, or weakness uh, and had the time there to reconsider and turn back, things would have been a whole different story for him. But Jonah was going to Joppa. He was going to Tarshish. He deliberately chose to disobey God from the start. Ultimately, his deliberate disobedience was about to pay terrible dividends. Notice another step that leads us to running away from God. Jonah was deceived in his disobedience. He was deceived in his disobedience. Know how, notice how clear and careful God's directions are to Jonah. Go back to verse 2 and verse 3 again. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it he, to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Maybe Jonah was tempted to rationalize like many do. Because here's a ship at Joppa that's bound for Tarshish. It's got to be the will of the Lord for me to, to go there. But th here's the problem with this thinking. Jonah had a word from God. Arise, go to Nineveh. That's pretty clear. It's impossible to say what Jonah was, uh, that Jonah was confused about God's will for his life. I mean, it was very clear. Arise, go to, to Nineveh. And yet he disobeyed. And here's the, war there's the warning for us there. It, it doesn't make any difference what our circumstances in our life might say. If we have a clear word from God about a subject, that's it. It's settled. You know, many believers in churches today even play that game of, uh, of circumstantially trying to determine what is better, what is right for them. Uh, well, preacher, marrying this girl must be the will of God, otherwise I wouldn't have met her. Doesn't matter what she, what her, if she loves the Lord or loves the Lord or not. No, the will of God is perfectly clear. Uh, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for the, what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. If we use any circumstance to try to change the clear application of the Word of God, it is deception. That's not coming from God. Who's it coming from? It's coming from the enemy of our soul. That's coming from Satan, who has the ability to appear as an angel of light. Let's pray that we won't get caught up in the subtle deception of determining God's will solely by circumstances. The danger is that it's too easy to interpret circumstances to fit our own desires. So you see, Jonah already had his mind made up to go to Tarshish. He had already taken the 75-mile trip uh, with the idea of going there. So when he gets to Joppa, he uses the circumstance. Oh, look, there was a ship 
where's it going to? Look, they got a shipping port. It's going to Tarshish, of all places, the place I was going to go to. And he begins to use his circumstances to justify why he's doing what he had done. Unfortunately, we as God's people tend to think that way because we have become so weak in our own hearts with regard to the revealed will of God, to what God's word already says. But if God says it, that settles it. Had Jonah not been deceived in his disobedience, he would have never boarded that ship. And then finally we see this. Jonah was doomed in his disobedience. In verse 3, we find that the ship was going to Tarshish and Jonah paid the fare. Think about those coins that he handed over. That was actually the cheapest part of his fare and what he was going to pay. Unknowingly, Jonah was about to pay the huge price for his disobedience. And in fact, the whole book is about how much it costs Jonah to disobey God. You know, when we walk away from the revealed will of God, there is always a price to pay. Here's what the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Wages aren't paid in one lump sum. They're paid in increments throughout our lives, and then we get to the final payment of death. Sin pays all right, and its wages aren't what we should want. So given the unpredictability of, of shipping in Jonah's day, it's possible that if God hadn't intervened, he might never have gotten back. If God hadn't sent the storm, he might not have ever gotten back. When we get involved in walking away from God, we can't just get back on another ship that takes us directly back home and, and everything's the way that it was. Things change in the meantime. And all kinds of problems occur. Yes, God forgives and God restores, but there's always the scar tissue left from the sin that often complicates our lives from that point on. And so the journey, uh, the journey away from God is a one-way trip until God in his grace intervenes as he did in the life of Jonah. Because twice in this text we read, Jonah went away from the presence of the Lord. More than a few people have said that Jonah's journey away from God was a downward journey. Through the whole book, he went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. He went down into the sea. And he went down into the belly of the great fish. And then the great fish went down to the very depths of the ocean. Would you agree that when we journey away from the presence of God... It is always a downward trip. And every step takes us another level until we come back to the place of fellowship with the Lord. Jonah was doomed for his disobedience, but thankfully the story doesn't end there. Finally, we see here in verse 4. Just read verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Now, we're going to get into that part next time and what all happens there. But just that first phrase, we love that word, but, don't we? But what about here? But the Lord. These are the words of saving grace, not only in Jonah's life, but in ours as well. Jonah was headed down, 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 but the Lord was following him every step of the way, and he used this storm to rescue one of his disobedient prophets. It wasn't just bad luck on Jonah's part that his ship ran into the storm on the sea. From God's perspective in heaven, it was an orchestrated series of events. You cannot run from God. You can try to distance yourself from all kinds of things, but you cannot run from God. Wherever you go, he's always there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for just these first few verses and so much yet to get into. Father, I pray that you will help us to think about what we have read tonight in the life of Jonah, especially when it comes to the decisions we have to make in our lives every single day. Am I going to speak to that person or not? Am I going to share the gospel with this person or not? Am I going to serve and show the love of Jesus Christ to somebody or not? Father, I pray that we would seek in every aspect and every way of our lives to bring glory and honor to your name by doing what you have commanded us to do, by not turning and going the opposite direction like Jonah did. So, Father, I pray tonight that you will use this message in our hearts, but especially in the hearts of those 
who have never trusted by faith in Jesus. Lord, I pray that they would turn tonight knowing that there is an opportunity, that the reason they're hearing this message is because you love them and you have made a way for them where there seemed to be no way. You made a way for them through the blood of Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray that you will use this to bring them to faith in Christ, to call out to you and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe Jesus died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, and arose on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart and save me and help me to live for you all the days of my life. Heavenly Father, I pray that there would be those who would make that decision today before it's too late and that we as believers would make the decision, yes, Lord, whatever it is you tell me to do, I'm going to be faithful to do it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us there online. We'll be back uh, Sunday morning at 1030 with our um, Sunday morning worship service, but you can come join us for Sunday school in person if you can. Uh, but you stay safe. Have a blessed week. We'll see you this Sunday, 1030. Uh, you have a blessed week.